Father in heaven, we did not come here to listen to a man, but we came here to listen to the word of God. And so, Lord, we ask that every distraction that might be in our hearts and minds would be carried away, and that today our eyes and our hearts would be fixed on you, Jesus. This is what we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everywhere that he went, people noticed. Every store that he entered, people stopped and they stared. He couldn't even make it to the bathroom without someone pulling him aside to try to get an autograph or to grab a quick selfie with him. He had so many followers on TikTok and on Twitter, his subscribers on YouTube had amassed to the millions that he was hailed as the most influential leader in his country and in his generation. And you know what? He loved the attention. He loved the fame. He couldn't get enough of it. Because he didn't have a shallow fame. He helped people. He created medicines that made the world a better place. He gave people a reason to wake up in the morning with amazement. For in fact, his attention was well-deserved because he was a religious leader. Sure, he was good-looking. Yeah, he was popular. Of course he was rich. But when he spoke... You had a confidence in him as a visionary leader. When he would speak, the way he held himself gave you confidence that he knew what he was talking about. No, more than that, that he was a representative of God. So sure, a little bit of the attention was well warranted. But all that changed when yet again, Civil unrest happened to the country to the south. And yet again, immigrant refugees started to travel south, north, into the country. People would say, why don't they just stay in their own country, handle their own problems? And on one occasion, one refugee came into the city. But what he did, no one had ever done before. And what he said, no one had ever said before. Because he didn't just practice mere magic, he performed miracles. He didn't just show simple sorcery tricks, he showed signs and wonders from heaven. And what he said, what he said is what got their attention the most because what he said convicted the heart, made you feel like you had to change but at the same time left you feeling with a peace and a joy that passes all understanding. And just like that, all the attention, all the fame, all the power, all the control that was once in Simon the sorcerer's hands began to slip through his fingers. I'm in our passage this morning in Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn them with me to Acts chapter 8, where our scripture reading was today. 
We're going to begin in verse 9, and I want to invite you that when you're there, to keep your Bibles open, because we're going to remain here for our entire time this morning. Acts chapter 8, verse 9, reading from the New King James Version, the Bible reads, But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcery for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. We'll pause right there. Please notice the repetition in our story this morning. Once in verse 10 and again in verse 11. The Bible says that the people gave heed to Simon or that they heeded Simon. That's an old school way of saying they paid Simon their undivided attention. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with getting attention. I, in fact, have come to believe that receiving attention is a basic human need. You might be here thinking today, oh, you know what? I don't need attention. Attention isn't important to me. I can live my life in the background. Well, dear Christian, let me have you consider for a moment that the first murder ever to take place in all of history happened because the Bible says one brother received attention and another brother did not. Our word here for attention in the Greek is the word pros echo, which in the Septuagint, which is the oldest translation of the Bible we have in Greek, it tells us that Cain did not receive attention from God, but Abel did. You see, attention is important. Attention is a basic human need. Some of us who are here today might do well to give our spouses a little more attention. Others of us who have children would do well to give our children and put our phones away a little more attention. That's just preaching to myself, probably. <laughs> uh, some of you have friends and family members who you've been separated for so long, it'd probably be a good time to give them your undivided attention. Receiving attention is a basic human need. But like all human needs, when we take the need and we filter it through our hearts of pride and especially of covetousness, a basic need can transform into an unhealthy desire. Think about it. You need a home, but you don't need a mansion. You need a car, but you don't need a Maserati. You need clothes, but you don't need Gucci when Gap will do. See, you might need friends, but you don't need fame. 
Sometimes an unhealthy desire can come from a very basic need. And that's what happens in our story today. Simon takes a basic need for attention and he morphs it into a narcissistic desire for fame. So much so that the Bible says that not only did he claim to be great, but he fed into this narrative that he was the great power of God. That's blasphemy. And then the Bible says that a refugee comes into town by the name of Philip. We know this is not Philip the apostle because the beginning of Acts chapter 8 tells us the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. This is Philip the deacon, Philip the evangelist. I remember Philip because in verse chapter 21 it says that uh, Philip has four daughters. And uh, as a guy who has three sons, I'm, I'm a little jealous of Philip. That's how I remember this refugee by the name of Philip. He comes into town, and the Bible says, you have it here in Acts chapter 8, verse 6. Read what it says with me. In Acts chapter 8, verse 6, it says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded or paid attention to the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So I want you to picture it for a moment with me. Simon has the attention, or had the attention. Now, Philip has the attention. Simon had the attention, Philip has the attention. But notice the nuance in the passage, because whereas Simon brings the attention onto himself, that he's great, that he's powerful, that he's a representative of God, Philip, the Bible says something peculiar and different. That he doesn't draw attention to himself, he draws attention to all things which he spoke. What did Philip preach? What did Philip teach? He drew attention to Jesus. He drew attention to the King of Kings. He told the Samaritans that it was the Messiah who came, not just for the Jews, but for the Samaritans. He told them stories about how Jesus would heal the lame, uh, heal the blind, help, help others who were sick to be healed, but he would never draw attention to himself. He'd say, hey, don't go, don't tell anyone about it. Just go glorify God. He told them how if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Philip told them that while the Samaritans were yet enemies with God and in the act of sinning that Christ came and demonstrated his love towards them by dying on the cross for them. He told them that classic verse that we all take to heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't draw attention to himself. He drew attention to Jesus. And here's the thing, guys. When you get a picture of Jesus in your life, when you're truly converted and you're able to see who Jesus is, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Money doesn't matter. Fame doesn't matter. 
Positions don't matter. Your comfort level doesn't matter. I mean, look at Philip. He chooses to be a refugee. He flees his country when all he would have to do is keep silent and then he could keep comfortable in Jerusalem. But he had seen a picture of Jesus. He had seen the risen Christ and he couldn't keep it to himself that he had to flee his country in order to stay true to making Jesus better known and better loved. And I look at myself and I look at the church and the state of the church and I wonder, have we seen Jesus? Have we really seen his face yet? Because if we're honest with ourselves, and I try to be, it's difficult to spend that 30 minutes to an hour a day with Jesus. It's difficult to say to your friend, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. It's difficult, you know, to, to prioritize serving in the church for an hour a week. Like if we're honest with ourselves, we, we, don't, we don't even wanna do that. And I, and I wonder, Maybe we haven't seen Jesus yet. Maybe at the end of the week, when life gets hard, instead of turning to Jesus, we medicate ourselves by endless hours on Netflix or endless hours watching sports. And I, and I wonder, maybe we just haven't seen Jesus yet. But I've been here for six months and I've been able to get to know a lot of you and I'm convinced that you have seen Jesus. Amen? I'm convinced that you are disciples of Jesus. I'm convinced that you do love Jesus and that like me, you've just gotten distracted. That the pain of this world or the pleasures of this world have taken our eyes off of Jesus and, and onto something else, you know? Uh, that's what I think happened to Simon. Look at the passage again, because Simon is a true believer in God. Look at verse nine in Acts chapter eight. It specifically says, even though we call him Simon the sorcerer, that he was a man who previously practiced sorcery. The book of Acts was written years after this event, which means Simon is no longer practicing sorcery. And then look at verse 13. Simon himself also believed. He didn't only believe in Jesus, but he was baptized. And I just got to take a pause right here because I know there are many of you who are old enough and good enough and smart enough to be baptized. Think of the story. If a satanic sorcerer can believe in Jesus and be baptized, then you're certainly good enough to give your heart to Jesus in baptism. Simon, he believed in Jesus. He was baptized in Jesus. He stopped doing sorcery. But like you and I, he got distracted. Maybe a week went by. Maybe a few months went by. We don't know but his eyes left Jesus. And the Bible continues with our story in verse 14. Now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter, the apostle, and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon 
any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw through the laying on the apostles' hands of the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Philip has preached the gospel. They've accepted Jesus, but the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen yet. And people wonder, as you read the text, why? One commentator put it best. He said, if the Samaritans would have received the Holy Spirit when they were baptized, they would have gotten Christ, but they would have no community. It's so important to God that the people of God give each other their attention, listen now, that we care and love for one another, that he would withhold the gift of his Holy Spirit to the Samaritans until the leadership of the church could recognize them. Attention is important. And then the Bible says that Simon, his eyes, this is me saying this, his eyes are not on Jesus, and he focuses on himself, and he offers the apostles money. He offers them money, maybe a thousand, maybe 10,000, maybe a million, who knows how much money he had. He offers them money not to have the Holy Spirit, but to control the Holy Spirit. Not to be filled with the Spirit, but to determine how God works. You know, I'm, uh, I like to talk about my kids. I like to talk about my family. I really do feel like attention is important. I've been working with high school students for literally, Andrew, I tell you, you're, you're young uh, for the last 10 years. And I can tell you that most of the time, young people, when they're having behavioral, behavioral issues, self-harm, addiction, all types of issues, a lot of the time, I would summarize it as they're not getting attention from the people who should love and care for them the most. And so they lash out in different ways. And so, you know, as a dad, I try to spend a lot of time with my kids. Every, every day, Michael will be calling me on the phone, Mr., our music minister, Mr. Patterson, and he'll say, hey, where are you at right now? And I'm, I'm at the park with my kids. I spend the time every day with my kids, and once a, a week, I spend a whole day with them because I really believe showing them attention is so important. And I've even found uh, how to go to my favorite restaurant, <laughs> uh, Olive Garden. Can I get an amen for Olive Garden, someone? Okay, amen, Olive Garden. You guys can meet me at Olive Garden. <laughs> and I found out how to eat at Olive Garden with my three kids, all under the age of six, for less than $25. Amen again, Olive Garden. <laughs> uh, and I give them my undivided attention. And my, my youngest, who's two at the time, right now, uh, I used to be able to take him and get him a special drink, uh, chocolate milk. And I used to be able to hold it, right, with the straw going up and all that kind of stuff. And I used to be able to just put it in front of him and he would drink it happily. But he's two now. Terrible twos. Benji, three is a whole lot worse. <laughs> For those of you who have kids, terrible twos. And he won't let me, he won't let me do it anymore. He won't let me, you know, give him the drink. He flexes his baby pudge muscles, if you've ever seen him. And he grabs the cup and he yanks it from me, his little face. And, and every single time, 
It's this battle. Am I going to be in control or am I going to let my baby to be in control? And sometimes I'm like, okay, he's got to learn at some point. And I give him the control and you know what happens. He spills the chocolate milk all over himself. He squeezes the thing too hard that it just bursts and go all over the floor. It's really embarrassing when that happens at the same time, both of your little kids need to use the washroom and you're by yourself. It's not fun. Anyway, anyway, the, the, the point that I'm saying is that sometimes we want control. We're sick of God being in control. We think like a baby, we can handle it ourselves. And that's what happens with Simon the sorcerer. He not only wants the attention, but he wants the control. He wants to control what God is doing and how God is doing it. And I love how the Bible really ends because Peter really says to them, look, you can't buy God. You can't control God. And to summarize it, he says, what you need to do, Simon, is you need to repent. Your eyes, Simon, have been so fixed on what other people have that you're so jealous, you're full of bitterness and you're in the bondage of iniquity. And he says, what you need to do is you need to repent. His eyes, though he once were fixed on Jesus, they're now fixed on himself and his own control. And really, repentance is not a difficult thing. It's simply choosing if you're walking this direction, repentance is choosing to go in God's direction. To not have your eyes focused on yourself and your control, but to have your eyes focused on Jesus and his control. And what I love about this story is that it leaves us in a very ambiguous fashion because we don't know whether Simon, the former sorcerer, Simon the saint, we don't know if he repented or not. We don't know. Church tradition will tell us a whole bunch of stuff, but I think it's off base. So we don't know. And I think it's for our benefit because it leaves us with the question in our lives, will we focus our life and our attention and our control onto us or will we turn our eyes upon Jesus? Where will our affection, where will our attention, where will the leadership of our life go? Will it be on us or will it be on Jesus? That's the question we have to decide every day and every week. And my prayer for you this week is that you, like me, would repent and that we would turn our eyes away from ourselves, away from our own desires, away from our own control, and that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we'd look full in his wonderful face, and that the things of earth will once again grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.